Hello, hello. Welcome to The Divide. It's episode eight. I'm here, uh, Christopher Ford, as always, with my good friends, Benjamin Dodson. Hello. And uh, Dr. John Wordsworth over in Sweden, as always. Why, hello there. Actually, I say as always, but then, of course, it was only like three episodes ago that you were in Exeter as we were recording. So in Sweden, as you are 90% of the time, or actually uh, seven-eighths of the time, if this is episode eight. Smooth. Okay. Yeah, good. That was... Uh, Let's get our was maths a, correct. It's a nice, uh, a nice easing us into the episode with a little bit of mathematical correctness, don't you think? <laughs> How are we, boys? Eh. Okay, good. Uh, <laughs> Can't would complain. you like to uh, elaborate on that, Ben? Eh. No? I'm all right. Have yeah. you had a good day? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's been good. Last it's time been, we uh, uh, caught yeah. up with you, you had done three hours of work and about 18 hours of Star Wars Battlefront, I think. That's true. <laughs> I've not played as much Battlefront lately because that bug is still not fixed. Is Eventually, not? <laughs> I, I tweeted at them last night and within half an hour, they sent one back saying, yeah, we know, we're, we're working on it. Because yeah. once again, I and this is actually pretty amazing, uh, if I don't say so myself. After a month of not playing it at all, I load it up, I load a game up, I jump in, and in the first match, I'm the person with the most kills and the most points on the winning team. And it's like, where's my achievement? Nope. Yeah. Yeah, that is a that's a, that a massive pain. So now it? I've stopped it's, playing it again. <laughs> it's a good job John never got that job at Dice, isn't it? Otherwise, <laughs> been, this this podcast would probably not be happening because of all the animosity over that achievement. <laughs> Whereas the Paradox games, no bugs. Yeah, the only games on the market without bugs. Oh, no bugs, I see. I thought you said no bucks, and I was thinking, what, they're free? Uh, but no, of course, now I understand. It's because you've got that extra thick, manly voice from being horrendously ill. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. It's uh, It's been a bit of a rough few days here, but um, luckily I'm coming out the tail end of it now. I, I guess I've learned for the first time what the word fever means, because uh, I'm not typically the one who gets ill. And whenever people wrote their sick mail saying, I've come down with a fever in the office, I was like, yeah, whatever fever you're a bit hot uh now i know ironically coming out the tail end is probably what you were doing about two days ago <laughs> okay good uh right so it's uh, obviously an episode title recorded, right there so, uh, yeah that's... <laughs> uh yes this you could just imagine that scrolling along people's iphones <laughs> hmm, i wonder what this is about yeah what, the episode title or pictures of <laughs> I don't think we should have any pictures. Yeah, we just have it as a marquee, sli- not a marquee, a slideshow. Uh, <laughs> so I'm, I'm harking back to an older episode there. Don't forget Blake. Um, we couldn't have um, an intro to our show without um, a word about the weather in Sweden at the moment, could we? <laughs> that, that's, oh. your, that's your cue, John. Tell us about the weather. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. Oh, I thought I'd let Ben do it this time. Uh, okay. He has not. <laughs> I no, know, um, like, well, I, I was trying to avoid the weather I was like no no I, I say it all the time but it's pretty cold as you can imagine yeah. it's uh, it's actually been really warm up to yesterday it hit minus nine again oh. but yeah it's, it's it around was, zero it was, it was minus five as I was driving into work this morning oh. and uh, I discovered I have a new thing on my car I, I say a new thing I discovered a new thing on my car for me where um like this uh, it basically stops you from having a horrendous crash when you're driving along ice um <laughs> I think like all cars have it, but I've never used it before because it, down in Devon, it never gets cold. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that was fun. My treacherous uh, treacherous drive into work this morning hmm. in Swedish conditions. 
I had just a, very... a little taster for you, Chris. Yeah, absolutely. I had a very treacherous walk to work this morning. I had to... From your bedroom to your office. Yeah, I had to step over some Lego that I'd inadvertently put on the floor and then <laughs> landed in my seat and I was all safe. <laughs> work it. <laughs> well done. We're we're good. We're glad for you, actually. Yeah. You. Uh, uh, what's the weather like up in up in the north today? Uh, it's cold. It's cold as balls. It's very cold. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's supposed to like according to my weather app, it, I'm going to have three to seven centimeters of snow tomorrow. But I'm oh, yeah. calling bullshit on that. So. We'll oh see. yeah. We'll see. We're getting, uh, I think, three to five hours of heavy rainfall tomorrow. Lucky I you. That's the that's the best we get. Yeah, you're on just the wrong side of cold, you know. Yeah, it's just it's cold and just unpleasantly cold, as opposed to cold and and fun and like you don't have to go to school. Mm. Although, um, obviously, when I was teaching, a snow day was great because they shut the school. But now I've got a real job, and it's like if it snows and you can't go to work, you just work remotely. That's no fun. <laughs> and, oh no! Uh, what you do in that case is you say that unfortunately the bad weather has taken the phone lines down, so you can't yeah. do broadband. <laughs> yeah, and you're in a very, very bad cell phone reception area, so tethering isn't an option either. Yeah. I've been caught by that. Yeah. Okay. Um, anyway, so what we're talking about today? We're doing Kickstarter. We're talking about Kickstarters and, um, I guess, really crowdfunding in general. But we're we're going mainly on a Kickstarter um, route. Before we get to our main topic, of course, so we're going to do a little bit of follow up from previous topics now actually i uh, i put the first follow-up topic in as uh, as my uh, fortnightly mass effect pre-order watch <laughs> uh, it's not changed in price so that was a quick oh. item it's still 50 pounds which is fairly horrific how much is it for pc um 40 39.99 for pc and 49.99 for the xbox one and the ps4 it seems harsh bearing in mind that the pc version you're going to be able to like run at 4k Yep. And it's cheaper. Whereas yes. the Xbox One and PS4 ones, uh, you're not. Basically taking advantage of the console owners. But like everything is more expensive on console anyway because yeah. because you can, basically, isn't it? It's true. I think it's partly that and partly because Sony and Microsoft take their cut for more things than Steam do. You know, So Steam doesn't necessarily uh, take that much money. Okay. Uh, whereas Sony and Microsoft... I mean, I'm not sure if it's still the case, but they used to charge not only for... You know, thirty percent of the sale to yeah for the privilege of doing it, but they would also charge you whenever you wanted to publish an update to your game. So mm. it would cost like ten grand to push out an update to a game and things, and you're like, huh? So they had to recover those costs. I don't think they do that anymore. I might be wrong, right. um, okay. but I, I guess it's kind of a carryover from those days. That's my feeling. Uh, well, that so. that does certainly make sense. I've actually I'm more excited about Mass Effect Andromeda now because I started playing Dragon Age Inquisition over the weekend. Which is obviously oh, awesome. another, another Bioware game, and God, it was so good. And it's like, oh, I love Bioware games. Um, anyway, um, obviously we're not talking about that. I'm assuming, Johnny, you're going to want to tell us about XCOM mm, Two. I certainly am. I'm going to say one last word on Mass Effect and say, okay, do it just quickly. I think the price will come down before release. I think we're just seeing. I this so. I'm, like... not, I'm not spending forty nine ninety nine. I only pre ordered it to see what would happen. <laughs> but you know, when a, a game hasn't got that much information, Amazon just put the RRP for these games yeah. up until a real price comes out. So I think that'll come down. But yes, more excitingly, uh, XCOM 2 came out two weeks ago. And uh, I've been a bit unfortunate in the sense I was in the UK the first weekend and sick the second weekend. So I've only been <clears> able to. sick in inverted commas. I was. I couldn't go to work because of <laughs> XCOM 2. Nah, I'm sure you were really ill. Sorry. Sick. <laughs> 
and my hours on XCOM 2 didn't go up. It was horrific. I was like, yeah. surely, surely I'll have a day or two where I'm mostly better and I'll just have to sit here and play XCOM. But that never happened. To so, be fair, uh, I did text John last Thursday and I was like, oh, we're going to play some Torchlight 2 tonight. And I didn't hear back from him for 24 hours. And like the little <laughs> status didn't even change from delivered to read. And I was like, <laughs> shit, he's dead. <laughs> and then I found out from his wife's Instagram that he was ill. <laughs> she like, posted oh, okay. pictures of him unconscious in a fevered sweat. <laughs> pictures of like a snowy suns, uh, like a snowy scene, and sort of the words. It's Valentine's Day, all but right, my he... husband's too ill to go for a walk, so I've gone on my own. And all I could imagine was John just sat in bed playing XCOM Two, laughing. <laughs> <laughs> like, yes, I'm on my own. I can pretend that I'm, I have to pretend that I'm sick. <laughs> Uh, but no, uh, but I have I have put maybe six hours into it, and um, it's definitely all that the first was, but better. I mean, it's still a little bit buggy, so if you're not in a super rush, maybe wait for a patch or two because it's a little bit glitchy here and there. I mean, nothing too serious, but it's only going to get better with time, I think. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's good old tactical strategy on the map. It's a lot more fast paced because the rounds have a lot more rounds have time limits, and it all just feels a lot more. I don't know just better I, I'm really enjoying it so uh, maybe I'll follow up again on the next show when hopefully I've got yeah. further through the campaign we'll, we'll add it to follow up when you haven't just been crippled with illness <laughs> and, uh, and you, we can get a proper review from you yeah um, so since we had our last episode there's been all this stuff in the news about Era 53 Ugh. that I just wanted to talk about because I was actually I was <clears throat> without having asked your opinions of this um, outside of the recording, I was interested to hear what you guys thought because, uh, and this came about because I actually found out about this. Uh, oh, for anyone who's not been following the news, Era Fifty Three is the thing where if you update your iPhone, uh, it would just be bricked basically, mm. and as a result of um, having a repair done by a third party. And I, uh, I found out about this because I got an email from my dad saying. Have you read this? It's awful. And I read through the, and I think it was uh, a Guardian article. Um, so it wasn't yeah, like an, it wasn't an ex, it wasn't an extremist paper, like the Daily Mail or anything like that. So it was, you know, it was it was relatively balanced. Immigrants brick your actually, iPhone, yeah. <laughs> and give you cancer. <laughs> yeah, but is um, Princess but, Di yeah, still alive? Absolutely, <laughs> yes, quite. But I mean, I I came away from that article thinking, um, like. Uh, okay, so it's obviously they could have gone about it a better way, but this seems to me like um, that if you if you get a third party repair done to the thing that reads your fingerprint that accesses the secure element in your phone that holds all of your credit card details, then potentially that could be compromised. So we'll stop that from happening. And I don't know. So I kind of thought it. I read it as uh, you should really get your phone repaired by an Apple accredited repairer, and I didn't think that was such a bad thing. Mm. And this ended up as an argument because obviously, like my dad was, was was fairly up in arms about it. And I was thinking, ah, I I was thinking my wife's iPad broke, of the screen broke, and we went to a third party, and it, it came back and there was like dead sensors in it, so it went back to them, and it came back with more dead sensors, and it went back to them, and it came back, and the um, something had gone, so that the iPad was basically like shutting windows and opening tabs without you having to touch it, so it went back. And eventually, after five repairs, they broke it irreparably and <laughs> and did actually replace it, which is good. But thinking, I, I kind of wish we'd just paid a bit more and gone to Apple, to be fair, because they would have just given it a, a screen and it would have worked. Yeah. And it wouldn't be like new. I think the problem with this, uh, it, 
it's a, there's two issues to it. The first part is that you do not want a third party who is not accredited touching the Touch ID sensor because it is arguably the most precious part of the device because yeah. it gives access to uh, your fingerprint, which lets you get into the phone and do various things. And obviously you can use a passcode, but the fingerprint protects much more than that because third-party apps can use it as well to get into things like your internet banking without having to type a passcode in because it's incredibly secure. Uh, and your credit card information, stuff like that, is stored securely in there as well. It's so secure. I mean, like when you get a new iPhone and do a restore from backup, you have to do your whole fingerprint again and you have to add all of your cards again because it isn't copied or synced via mm. iCloud or anything. It is stored literally in the hardware. So mm. you, you really don't want someone buggering around with that. The issue is that it bricks your phone, whereas really what it should do is it should disable the Touch ID sensor um, yeah. so that basically yeah. you can't unlock the phone with your fingerprint and you can't pay for stuff. It should just kill Apple Pay, kill the Touch ID sensor and be like, yeah, you need to go to an Apple repair shop to get this fixed now. Mm. Um, that would be mm. the sensible way of doing it. Um, I have a feeling uh, that that is probably what will end up happening, is that the, that change will happen. Um, obviously, that doesn't help people lose phones to brick now. Um, I'm kind of surprised that change hasn't already happened, you know, because it's been such a lot of media controversy surrounding it well you'd have to push out a whole ios update and there might be more to it than i understand like for example if you if i've changed the hardware in the phone um such that i can get around the touch id sensor maliciously uh then if a software update um doesn't brick the phone it lets you still use it but disables that feature then there's a chance that software could re-enable that feature with the bad touch id sensor still there so i think they're probably just being over cautious and being like ah eh, well people want to do this to their phone it's their fault uh but i think now they will have to change that but we'll see yeah i, I, I personally don't have an issue with it because i think no. you're an idiot if you try and save a few pounds by getting your home button replaced on the cheap because it's yeah. crucial to the way that the phone works but maybe if you've got like an iphone 5 that doesn't have the touch <laughs> sensor you know oh yeah that doesn't matter yeah might as well. yeah 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 absolutely but then even even then, I would probably still prefer to get it done. And then, again, most people have Apple Care as well, like especially for phones like the iPhone 6 or the mm. 6S or the 5S even. Um, mm. You might still have Apple Care, which will do it for free. Yeah, because yeah, so the 5S was the first time they released a, like a proper insurance policy, wasn't it, where you could spend £75 or something when you bought your phone, mm. and whatever happened, they'll replace it. I mean, you pay like 40 quid or something, right, when they replace it, but it's a mm. fixed fee, so if it... If you throw it in a river, oh, well, I guess that. If you drop it on the floor, <laughs> yeah. uh, and it gets run over by a car or something by accident, um, then they'll just replace the whole phone for the sort of forty quid feel. I would say. Yeah. Um, it seems much fairer when, when when you consider that. But yeah, but it, it's these things pop up and people forget about them fairly quickly. Like the other one that's just popped up recently is if you set your phone to nineteen seventy at midnight on January first, yeah. then your phone dies. It's like well, you have to be an idiot to do that. If you're doing it anyway, <laughs> uh, apparently there's an issue though that you could connect to a wireless network, which yeah. masquerades as a time server, which does it to brick your phone. But ugh, just I mean, like theoretically, you could go into a cafe or something and set up a time server which bricks everyone's phone. That's that's the. <laughs> Yeah. That's the dodgy bit. But also, I mean, that story, I'm pretty sure, I haven't tried it, but from all the reading I've done online, was massively overblown. Like, someone said it bricks your phone, all the newspapers ran with that, and then everyone on Reddit said, well, until your battery runs out. <laughs> and then it works. It's like, oh. <laughs> so, I mean, 
this new story across the web, which is, you know, your phone becomes a brick and you have to return it or take it to an Apple Care Center, is actually your phone crashes and in a lot of cases restarts after 10 minutes, but sometimes you have to wait for the battery to run out, so a day. It's like that's not really the same thing, you know? Yes, it's a technical boo-boo, but, uh, you know. Why on earth would you want to set your phone date to 1970 anyway? Just as an experiment. I mean, I guess someone did it to see what happened, and then this happened. But <laughs> well, they're an idiot. I mean, it's, pro- it's probably been got no one to blame but themselves. It's probably been a bug since like iOS four, and no one's noticed <clears> it because no one's ever done it. Yes, <laughs> I wish to be in the seventies. <laughs> yeah. Oh well. Well, the only piece of news that I had to uh, bring to the table today was to talk about the game Firewatch. Uh, mm-hmm. which was released uh, last week and is amazing, despite I being... I thought that was a PS4 exclusive. Uh, it's PS4 and Steam. Oh, uh, cool. okay. So I got it for Mac. Uh, <laughs> and I've completed it, because it's only like three, four hours long. It's not very long. Uh, which, uh, I don't know if I like paying £13.50 mm. for a three-and-a-half-hour game, um, but then I've spent £13.50 on far more dubious things that I haven't spent that long on, so... <laughs> I suppose it's all right, really. And, you know, it, mm. it is a very good game. But my point is, um, it's beautiful. Really, really nice. Uh, mm. Really good game. Um, the voice acting is great in it. You basically are a ranger, uh, and you, uh, like in a national park in America, uh, and you walk around, do little tasks and things, and you chat to someone on a little walkie-talkie. Um, and you've got multiple choices for pretty much all the interactions. Now, they don't really change anything in the end, like the ending is the same no matter what but you just get different text and the way that the Mm. story unfolds will change slightly but it's really good, really fun so I I definitely recommend it it's uh, it's an emotional Uh, one it'll kick you right in the stomach within the first like two minutes, it's like oh jeez I was quite glad when you mentioned it actually because um, uh, it's made by Panic uh, who make um, Coda which is the the, the IDE that I use when I'm coding, yeah and um, I think Ben use is it their status board app? Uh, yeah, they use status board and transmit. Um, so like when they because I'm subscribed to the newsletter and when they just there was a newsletter saying hey we're, we're making a game it's like well that's odd because you make like development tools yeah um, and I to be fair I looked at the website for the game and I thought oh this looks gorgeous but it sounds really rubbish yeah <laughs> I'm interested in this at all it's and very then suddenly much... I it's it's getting really great reviews it's exactly like lifeline which you mentioned uh yes either last episode oh is it before. okay it's, it basically imagine lifeline but instead of reading the text you're having someone tell it to you and you're walking right. around in what is basically a beautiful walking simulator right okay it's kind of like it's that. a bit it, it's totally bizarre random i guess maybe they i guess they could so they tried it I kind of wish that they'd spent a little bit more time putting some updates into Coda, though. Uh, well, I for, think that for the money that I spent on that. <laughs> I don't know how much involvement they actually had in it. Like they're the publisher; they're not like I don't think they coded it as such. I think they might have had mm. a hand in some of it. Um, there's quite a cool feature that you find a camera halfway through, um, and you can take pictures, and then in the credit sequence, it shows your pictures along with <laughs> a few others, um, and so then at the very end. Uh, you can literally, it gives you a code and you can go onto a website and order them as photos and they'll like send them to you. <laughs> oh, that's really wow. cool. Uh, which is a pretty nice feature. Um, but yeah, good game. Check it out anyway. Um, so I just wanted to mention a couple of things quite briefly. Um, John, have you seen the, and I'm addressing this to John because I don't think this will apply to Ben, but it might. Have you seen the latest Batman versus Superman trailer? I have. 
I have, have two. Fun. Yes. What do you guys? What do you guys think about it? I'll let John go. I saw it when I was ill, so uh, right. oh, like, oh, so you, just, you sure you didn't just imagine it? <laughs> like, oh God, there was a crossover and it had Star Trek in it and everything. <laughs> like, oh, was I in a fever? Um, uh, the reason why I mention it is because this trailer came out and I was like, Batman vs Superman is a film that when they when they announced it, it's like this is gonna be crap, mm. and when they said that. Ben Affleck is going to be Batman. It's like that's going to be dreadful. And like when that when they did the first teaser trailer, the very very first one that basically just shows Batman in his Iron Man suit and yeah. Henry back as Superman, and I was like, this looks totally shit. And like with every subsequent trailer they've released, I've been more and more interested in the film. I'm actually starting to think that it might potentially be quite good. I just thought I'd mention it because the new the last trailer's just come out. Um, and I was actually pretty. I was pretty excited by it. Yeah, I remember the um, there's like the car flipping and stuff, and there was the mm. the Batman suit looked pretty cool. But uh, I'm still, I don't know. The premise still irks me. It's like Superman, you know, he can do anything. Yes, <laughs> Batman, yeah. guy in a suit. Yeah, you know. but I mean, it's based on an actual graphic, like a, a very renowned, acclaimed graphic novel, isn't it? The Dark Knight Returns. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah. I've, where it does actually have a Batman Superman fight in it. I've never really liked Superman, and watching the trailer, I was like, uh, <laughs> no, this isn't for me at all. But yeah, I, I, I literally not, yeah. I didn't watch it uh, willingly. It was at the cinema, so I had to watch it. Right. But um, yeah, it looks, I, I, meh. it looks dark. I'll give you that. It's very grey. <laughs> it does. It looks dark, and you like darkness. Well, that's true. Uh, <laughs> I'd like more more darkness over both Henry Cavell and Ben Affleck. Just, just ben Affleck's off. face currently always black yeah. in the movie. See, everyone complains about Ben Affleck being Batman, but I, I think that should be fine because Batman himself is an utter tool. Like, <laughs> when I first heard um, <laughs> the new ones, I hadn't seen The Dark Knight and all the other ones until quite late on. I think when the third one came out is when I saw all of them pretty much in the space of about a month. Um, and I'd always thought people were joking. Like, I saw a Big Bang Theory episode where Sheldon's like, I'm Batman. And I was like, why the <laughs> hell is he doing it in that voice? That's so stupid. I don't really get it. And then literally when, I forget who even played him. It's Christian Bale. When though. Christian Bale mm-hmm. is there saying, I'm Batman. I was like, what the fuck is this? What is going oh, on? Yeah. No, his Batman it's voice was stupid. Nonsense. But I don't think that makes Batman at all. Oh, God, this is a whole episode. Batman is terrible. Yeah. He's got all that money. And what does he do with it? He fights petty petty criminals on the street that's oh, true you're a shoplifter I'm going to punch you in the face yep he but can anyway. it's Batman <laughs> sorry um, we, we should get on sorry. no yeah yeah so one more one more very brief thing I'm going to see Deadpool this weekend I'm really excited yeah I'm cool. excited for that uh, one thing like massively high gro- grossing made a bucket ton of money yeah one of the things that I'm the most pleased to see is is um, Jeff Johns who is the I think he's like chief creative director for DC Comics. Hmm. He's basically like the head creative guy at DC. He's just been tweeting fanatically about how good Deadpool was and how you should go and see it. And I thought that's great because it's nice to see these, you know, that they these two comic basically opponents are um, you know, supporting each other in that way. I'm really excited for Deadpool. I'm going to see it this weekend. I'm pretty cool. stoked. It looks good. I like the way that Ryan Reynolds keeps he, he's very excited about it obviously, but like yes. on Twitter he posts a thing going, "Oh no, They've ruined uh, the Deadpool movie. Like they've uh, 
put out all these spoilers at the toy fair and then he'd like photoshopped a lego box which had like a little this deadpool me, riding a unicorn and it was today, called something it's, like it's, it's unicorn. So i'll make it very short of the film. but i think it's uh, <laughs> pretty big news for gaming at least in the future and that is um the vulcan graphics api launched today and uh, you've probably heard a lot of noise about DirectX 12 in the last like year or night year, year and a half where it's going to vastly improve performance in certain types of games that want to get close to the metal. And Vulkan is basically the OpenGL solution to the same problem. So, um, okay. uh, yeah, it means that we're hopefully going to see a lot more games that are able to get even more performance out of our, our hardware. So, I mean, the Dolphin emulator, you know, the GameCube Wii emulator, recently moved to DirectX 12, and they right. saw up to sort of 50% speed increase for some of the games, not all of them, uh, and hopefully Vulcan will allow similar. So it just means we'll see a lot cool. more shinier games in there. This is consoles as well, or just PC? Uh, just PC at the moment. Okay. Uh, PC and mobile, I think. I think mobile. Um, mm, yay! <laughs> uh, the idea is that you can hopefully have a unified API for desktop and mobile at last, so people haven't got to oh. rewrite all the graphics for for tablet. Yeah, so. that is good. So yeah, it's quite cool, quite interesting. I mean, massively technical, but, but cool. So. Yeah, uh, nice, nice news this week, chaps. Thank you for that. Um, busy week. Yeah, it has been a busy. Well, yes, it has been a busy time, hasn't it, since our last show? Um, so hey, back onto the main topic then. So Kickstarter. Um, I can't even remember why it was that this thought came to me, but Kickstarter is this has just become this huge. Um, like a, a driving force in in creativity, it feels in the last couple of years, and you're suddenly hearing about some really big projects that are actually coming out of kickstarts. And so I thought it'd be cool for us to do a little episode and and chat about how this has possibly changed. I don't know the landscape for. I want to say content creation, but it's not even just content, is it? I mean, it's you can get everything kickstarted now. You get shops, people are writing books on there. Um, mm. People are launching online courses. Have seen day. People are coming up with new technology. Um, yeah, I mean, what? How has Kickstarter, and obviously not just Kickstarter, because there are other crowdfunding platforms that are available. But I think Kickstarter is probably the uh, the big yeah. one, isn't it? Um, how has it changed the landscape? It's only been around for a few years, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, two thousand eight, I, I think. I really hate Kickstarters personally I think that they've made people yeah. lazy uh, and I think it's just a way of glorified begging because um, <laughs> the problem with Kickstarter is that essentially uh, people treat it as a way of pre-ordering stuff but that's mm. not what it is it's supposed to be an investment sort of thing where you are helping fund someone so that they can do something they otherwise couldn't have done if they'd charged you afterwards. Mm. Um, so really, it's an investment, but you don't get a stake in the business, which makes it a I pretty see. poor investment. It's basically a pre-order, but with the chance that you won't get what you paid for, uh, which I dislike. <laughs> um, yeah. Originally, or you won't have to pay for it if it doesn't even get kickstarted. <laughs> well, there's that, but the bigger problem is when it does, and then the money disappears and you don't get anything. Um, it was really designed for people who were trying to do things where you generally have a large manufacturing run and that costs a lot of money. So let's say, for example, I'm building a, some sort of electronic widget. Uh, now, I'd have to go to China, get it tooled up in a factory, 
uh, and you'd have to have a massive order in order to pay for it. You pay for it upfront and then you sell it afterwards. So obviously there's a large upfront cost and Kickstarter's kind of idea is you can say, look, I want to build this cool widget. Here's a prototype. Give me some money so that I can go off and get it tooled and then you can have the product uh, and probably at a discount and so on. Uh, and for that purpose, I think it works well. But the issue now is that you've got a lot of people creating things for like, oh, I'm making a documentary and I need funding for it. Or I'm making a video game and I want some funding for it because I can't be bothered to go through the other channels that are available to me. Uh, and I don't like that so much. And also, people get a lot more... Uh, like consumers look at it and think of it as pre-orders which it isn't and then they get mm. angry when it doesn't go the way it's supposed to and then the people creating the stuff are spending more time dealing with the number of people complaining or the support issues uh, than they are with actually getting their products made so I mean I've, I've funded a lot of Kickstarters but I hate myself every time I do because I, really, I, I, I really surprised. don't like them I was surprised when you said um, earlier in this week that you'd you'd funded some Kickstarters because it was I think it was a couple of weeks ago, well some weeks ago when we recorded our um, games list of 2016, and I was just listening to that one recently in the car, and uh, and you said like something hilarious about Kickstarters. You basically said um, like, oh I I I don't like Kickstarters. I think people should work for their money, and I yeah. and I <laughs> exactly I genuinely right. laughed out loud at that. <laughs> Uh, it was it was very amusing, but then when you said like, ah, oh, oh, I funded a bunch of Kickstarters, like, oh, really? <laughs> what, Most what of the ones I've funded are things that have to be manufactured. Um, mm. So, uh, for example, I, I funded a um, a stronger type of lightning cable um, because obviously the Apple ones are just so poor that they just fall apart within months. So I was like, oh yeah, a stronger version of the cable that's got like a nice weave and like a magnet for it and stuff. That sounds good. I'd fund that because otherwise they can't manufacture it because they wouldn't have enough money to do it. And I'm happy to support that. But for things like um, one of my friends did uh, the Kickstarter for Carmageddon, he sponsored that. And I was like, the people who made Carmageddon have enough bloody money. And mm -hmm. if just because there's different developers that want to buy the license, tough shit. Go through another channel. Why are you getting people to fund it? And like, uh, yeah. what's that Sony one that was a big one a while ago? Shenmue 3 or something? Yeah, yeah. Like, Sony asking people to pay money for a Kickstarter, uh, the idea is abhorrent to me. I mean, it's, mm. like, it's bad enough having video games with pre-orders 9, 12 months out at £60 saying, oh, yeah. we'll give you a free bit of DLC when the time comes to ask people to actually pay for the development of the game before you've delivered anything is, uh, I hate it. You see, I'm on the opposite side of the fence. So um, I understand that you have to approach it with this caution that it may never get made. Uh, and I think it's a real shame that, you know, there is a problem that people see it as pre-ordering, but it's not that. Uh, and I agree that's a problem. Um, but I think I'm going to kind of, separate this I think into video games and other because the video games I think are a bit of a special case because they have a, a typically long development cycle and a reasonably high chance of failure um, compared to something where like I'm going to make a table it's like yeah you can be pretty certain that you can make a hundred tables because you talk to a factory and they said they can make a hundred tables uh, whereas a game is a lot more fluffy you know you've got an idea on paper and it takes 50 people or okay 15 or 15 to 100 people one to four years to make it uh, which is a much bigger asking and a lot more unknowns but i also think there's two 
quite nice benefits to Kickstarter for game developers. And I, I agree that like Sony doing it is, is a bit dodgy. Um, but I think that the two upsides we see are uh, you get the opportunity to work without having to buckle down to a publisher. So sure, some of these games could go to EA and then they'd be told to put soldiers in it. And then they'd be told to make it only work on Origin, and then they'd be told to make it shit. Um, <laughs> whereas actually, when it's back through Kickstarter, they get to make the vision that they have, which is quite often the vision I would rather see, not the one that's gone through all the. But it can make more money if you add microtransactions and add all this DLC crap. Um, oh, EA. <laughs> so I think there is a benefit of, of developers can not go to a publisher if they can't find a publisher suitable to them but also I think it's and this is a bit less this is a bit more fluffy so I'm not massively sure on this one yet but I think it's nice if they have an idea that maybe a traditional publisher won't back because it's weird so maybe if you have something like Firewatch um, mm. and you go to a bunch of people and they're like ah, but there's not much game in there um, and then you can go to the public and say hey guys look we actually think this is going to be really good but the, you know, ten video game publishers, or there aren't that many, you know, like twenty or whatever, that might take these sort of size projects, uh, won't back it. But if you guys pay for it up front, then we're going to do this, this, and this, and deliver it. Um, so I think there's a lot of opportunities to come from it. But I, I do also feel a little bit like, I don't know. I will typically only back games that are from a well. I don't want to say like a renowned team, but have something to inspire my confidence in them so for instance it's like yeah this was the guy who made so and so 10 years ago i backed like chaos reborn um, which was made by the man who made XCOM, and he wanted to revitalize one of his other games um, but i don't think he could find a publisher to do it but there are obviously a, a big pile of fans who want to play the game from the 80s modernized so he did a kickstarter uh, and it's done now and it's really good and that's it, uh, the only kickstarter that I've ever supported that's a game is uh, Ukulele which is similar in that it's uh, a team of all the people from Rare who used to work there before Rare mm. went downhill who made Banjo-Kazooie and Donkey Kong Country um, and they're making a new Banjo-Kazooie style game and it's like yeah I will support that mm. that's, that's uh, I have faith in that team whereas other people I don't so much because as John says there's a lot of difficulty in making a video game uh, you need do need a large team and it can take a long time uh, and things will change and delays will happen um, and I mm. just don't trust most people one of the counterpoints to it though is that I do often buy things on Steam with their early access program which is a kind of like Kickstarter but a bit further along so when you've sort of got like an alpha version of the game you can push that out through Steam People can pay for it often at a discount uh, and they can play the game as it is then, uh, knowing that there will be bugs and stuff with it. But then you actually see more of the game and you're funding it at that last stage of development where they're tweaking and getting the bugs and stuff done. Um, and the same, the Xbox has a, a similar thing. And I paid for Elite Dangerous on that. Um, and I've paid for a couple of games on Steam, uh, like Mini Metro and Offworld Trading Company. Um, and I, I prefer that for video games rather than funding something where they might not have anything at all yet, uh, which I find more dangerous, but it really depends on the team of people. But, I mean, moving away from video games, I think when it comes to... So the other thing that I tend to back quite a lot of board games or RPGs, 
Um, and for many of them, I just don't think they would exist without a Kickstarter. And I, I think they're uh, maybe somewhere in the middle, like between a video game and a and a you know print run. Because obviously, part of the element is that they need to go to a printer with thirty thousand pounds to print however many you know twenty thousand yeah. copies of the book. But they haven't written it yet either, <laughs> or. Quite often when they start the Kickstarter, they've written the first third, so you can download a preview and see what it's like. Um, so I guess it is somewhere in the middle, but I tend to back those because I know that they're quite often, you know, two or three guys somewhere who have probably had this idea for an RPG. And if I read the fluff and read a bit about the rules and I get behind it, I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll back them for £10 to get the PDF version. Or if it's a brand that I know that I'm going to like, I'll, I'll back them for 25 or 30 to get the hard copy. Um, I think, like for a tabletop game as well, it's a really good way to get some get some variety. Um, mm. I mean, not that there's a lack of variety in board gaming, but I think like tabletop gaming is is having a bit of a, a resurgence in the last couple of years, and it's quite nice to see some people. You know, people are having good ideas for good games, and they don't really know. You know, who are you supposed to speak to? Like Waddingtons or what? <laughs> Um, but actually, no. They they say, look, what we can actually do is we can just do a mock up of this and then get on Kickstarter, and if enough people like it, we can actually make our game. And I think yeah. that's really, I think that's really good. In something like Cards Against Humanity, I doubt anyone anyone course, yeah. would have decided, hmm, yeah, we'll publish a massively racist and non PC game. <laughs> um, whereas on Kickstarter, everyone's like, ben yeah, it. we want it, so we'll pay for it. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. And Cards Against Humanity is like got to be one of the more famous examples, certainly at the moment. That game is, you know, doing doing the rounds, isn't it? I mean, it's, mm. it's, uh, I own a copy, but I've never played it. Uh, I've <laughs> lent it to somebody <laughs> and had it back, but I've still not played it myself. But I bought it on Amazon. I didn't buy it on Kickstarter. And this picture you sitting there, Ben, like reading through the cards and making these awful non-PC statements and just chuckling to yourself and putting them back in the box. <laughs> I'd probably, I'd probably look at it and go, I can make that, more, I can make that worse. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Cool. I mean, guys, you've you've both. I have. I've actually. I've. I. I don't know that much about Kickstarter. In that, I haven't really ever got into the website and had a look at some of the stuff that's out there. I've heard a lot about things that are out and about. But you've obviously both kickstarted a bunch of stuff. So, what sort of things have you actually contributed to yourselves, John? Hmm. So, um, I guess I started off with video games, and then I started to think. Hmm, well, I mean, I, I again, I've only really backed big name video games, so like Torment, Titan, Numenera, uh, Divinity, Original Sin, Chaos Reborn, Divinity, Original Sin Two, uh, and BattleTech, and they're all made by what I, you know, strongly believe are trustworthy groups that are going to finish. BattleTech is that is that a MechWarrior? Is that the MechWarrior game? Uh, yeah, so there, it was a fairly recent one, and it was done yeah. by the guys who made the Shadowrun game. Okay. And they are remaking Battletech. Um, Amazing. I love MechWarrior 2 in the 90s. Mm. Such a good game. So I think it's going to be... I'm not sure if it's going to be turn-based. I think it might be turn-based combat. Right, okay. Um, but it's going to have all these online campaign features and stuff so you can play against your friends and things, which I think is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, so I mean, there's there's the computer games, which make it maybe half my Kickstarter. And there's a couple yeah. from the bottom of my list here that I'm looking at where it's like... Uh, uh, Estimated delivery, October 2014. Not delivered yet. Um, I mean, that one, I think, will happen. There's one right at the bottom, which is the first one I kick-started, called Limit Theory, 
which was supposed to be done by January 2014, and I'm starting to think maybe that one won't ever ever see the light of day. Uh, but that's the only one I actually don't think will ever come out from the list I've got. And then there's uh, a couple of board games that I've backed as well, and uh, they've typically had a much sort of quicker cycle. You kind of go, hmm, this is a board game or RPG, and because they're quite often halfway through it, or they're making it anyway. Um, I have quite a lot of faith that they'll finish it. It's just that they have to go through the effort of printing it and publishing it and doing all that stuff. So yeah. uh, it's just enough to show them that they should finish it. So uh, you typically get quite a lot for your money because of all the stretch goals. So uh, there was an yes. RPG that's coming out called What's Old is New. And uh, it's just you know, some guy was like, hmm, I got an idea for a rule system, I think, but primarily. Um, and he's like, ah, but here's all the stretch goals. And the stretch goals are many, so I paid fifteen pounds, and I think I I get you know twenty PDFs or something when it comes out. So it's like cool. And maybe <laughs> Is that like expansions for the game or something, but all. Yeah, so um, I think it started off as like just a rule system, and then the stretch goals included like a futuristic version, and a fantasy version, and a modern day version. So all different spins on the same the same setting. So it comes with special rules for you know specific rules for each setting. Whether there's like the starship construction manual for the futuristic setting and like a monster manual if you're playing in the fantasy setting. So, okay. um, but the collection just kept on growing as the, as the pledges came in, which, you know, is a interesting system with uh, yeah. stretch goals. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it makes me feel like, yeah, I'm going to get uh, a bucket ton of stuff for not much money. The <laughs> so. nice thing is that you often forget about them and then suddenly mm. something turns up at the door and you're like, oh, I completely forgot I supported this and now it's turned up. That's nice. <laughs> and I quite often, uh, I think 80% of the things I've kickstarted I've done whilst drunk. So um, <laughs> it, it's an even nicer surprise when they turn up. <laughs> awesome. Oh, like a round like of present one day in the future. <laughs> well, what sort of stuff have you kickstarted, Ben? Uh, well, I have a complete list of all six things that I've kickstarted. Um, I also have a seventh, which I'll mention first, uh, which wasn't through Kickstarter. I forget who it was through, uh, but it's a thing called an Aware, A-W-A-I-R. Um, and that's a little uh, device that basically monitors the air quality. Uh, and then it mm. tells you how much uh, the temperature, humidity, amount of CO2, uh, VOCs in the air, and uh, dust. And then it basically gives you a score, and it can send that to your phone to tell you like how good the air is for productivity or relaxing or whatever it might be i'm just looking at mine now and it says that i've got an awful lot of carbon dioxide in this tiny little room so i should probably open a window but that's not happening um so that one was so you good just keep talking until you pass out yeah, yeah. then yeah. goes quiet ring the police yeah. or an ambulance like or, or his wife i suppose yeah that'd do yeah. um so uh that one was really good because it actually came on time um without any hitch at all it was just like pre-ordering something uh the bad thing about that was uh is that two months after it arrived i got a bill from uh dhl for 40 quid in customs fees uh, uh, so that that made it not that cheap um, yeah. but on the kickstarter side the first thing i kickstarted was a thing called uh, atelier playing cards which were a set of incredibly modern uh minimalistic playing cards two decks of just standard cards uh, but they were just super minimalist in their design. They're literally just the uh, suit. Um, and the amount of time that this designer had spent doing it, he was just one guy on his own who had um, come up with this design, and it was really, really nice. And I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll take that for like 20 bucks or whatever it was. 
Um, another one was called Of Mice and Lemmings, which was a board game which one of the Maya friends designed and built, so I supported it just because uh, it was his, but that one actually came like four months late, <laughs> so won't, won't be supporting anymore. Uh, <laughs> I'll be talking to him again. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, the one after that was a, a thing called a quick draw cable, which is the one I mentioned, which was a, a lightning cable, but it was just like super strong. It's like made of like metallic weave or something. Uh, and like the ends are like really like they're made of metal brushed aluminium, I think. So it's they don't fray like the normal lightning cables do. And I ordered two of those and they were six months late. Uh, and then they added a feature I didn't want. Um, <laughs> they added... Uh, a LED into the port so that when it's charging it's orange and when it's full it's green which some people wanted and is you know fairly useful but I find it incredibly irritating because that's not the use case I had for it um, so now I've got this LED that's always on that you can't turn off um, and it delayed the uh, cables by six months because they had to add that stuff and get clearance from Apple and it was just a pain so that wasn't great and then one of the cables didn't work so I had to send it back and then another two months later another cable came uh, and then the other one that I've done that's actually completed so far was uh, Exploding Kittens which was the game by the Oatmeal mm -hmm. uh, that was uh, a record holder for most funded or most quick or whatever it was for a while uh, and that one was great because it, it shipped on time and they added an extra feature which I did want which was a little surprise that they hid in the box so that when you list lifted the flap it would go meow <laughs> it's just a stupid little extra that they added we didn't tell anyone about and when the packaging came it was great he'd done like a custom cartoon but it had your address in it and like your family name and stuff and there's like a little kitten coming in to kill you and it would be like oh and it'd have like the name of your village and the name of your street and stuff it was pretty cool um, so it was a good experience uh, and then I've got two that I'm still waiting on uh, one of them is Ukulele the game uh, by Platonic which is the Banjo-Kazooie people um, which is going to be awesome and that's on time so far it's supposed to come out around October, November time this year I think um, and they keep sending updates and they've hired loads of people uh, they keep sending like clips of like the soundtrack or showing you new characters that are coming into it so that's been pretty good uh, and then the other one is a Hydrate Me Smart Water Bottle uh, which I definitely bought when I was drunk um, so it's about $90 or something Oh my goodness! <laughs> and it's a—it's basically a plastic water bottle, but it—it um, it made knows... out of money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's made out of old credit cards. It knows how much water you're drinking, uh, and it'll sync that to an app to basically say how much water you've drunk that day and send okay. you notifications when you've not had enough. Uh, and so far, that's been delayed by three months. It's supposed to come in March now. It's uh, actually. So we'll this see if good... it does. <laughs> this highlights a, a massive issue, actually, and that is the problem of knowing how many times you've filled up your water bottle and uh, and then recording that number in my fitness power isn't it yeah essentially because yeah. it's a pain actually to keep doing i mean i do it on the watch now i have an app called um water meter which has a little watch complication so i can just tap on that and then choose like 500 mil so it's not too arduous and to be honest i didn't have the apple watch when i ordered this um, so now I kind of wish that I could say, you know what, I don't want it and get my money back, but I can't. So the, the bottle's well, going to come and I'm probably not going to use it, which is really annoying. But that's mm -hmm. the thing with Kickstarter. That the, the few big problems are, A, once it's funded, that's it. Like They take yeah. money and you're not getting that money back and you might get a product, you might not. 
Um, the other problem is that it could be delayed. And then the final problem is that what you get at the end may not be what you originally signed up for because either through stretch goals they added much more than they initially thought they would and so they end up changing the product like my quick draw cable did by adding that led that i didn't want and delaying the project um or they just add other things or add extra bits that you didn't necessarily want like maybe you just wanted what was originally what you pledged for and you just want that to be delivered on time but instead you're going to get something much bigger or maybe better but it's going to come months later and by that point something else might have been released like there's loads of smart water bottles now i could go and buy one on amazon it'd probably be cheaper so mm. it's you know it's irritating but then that's what happens when you drunk kickstart drunk start <laughs> drinking kickstart yeah oh that's that's a show title isn't it drunk, drunk starter, starter. <laughs> <laughs> um i've only actually kickstarted one thing and it wasn't on kickstarter so i don't know what i did it was a moped funded something um no it was on indiegogo yeah and it was um season three of tabletop Mm. um yeah which i was a massive fan of i really love tabletop and i think i only gave them five dollars because i wasn't working at the time and or i was only tutoring rather so money was a bit tight but i just i really wanted them to make another season of tabletop so i just wanted to give them something and um i have to say when season three of tabletop arrived i was really disappointed and i've barely watched any of it because yeah. i don't know they like they just they just it was just more of the same like they kept getting old guests back um whereas i wanted to see new people there's i mean i don't know if you know tabletop i don't know if you've ever watched any but they get yeah yeah they get people in who are who work in the genre to guest on the show and it's great. And there's a lot of people um, who I'd love to see on this show. And actually, it's like, oh, there's just an episode where we've got the same blogger back who we had on season two. Ah, oh, that's a shame. And um, and the other thing is that like, I'm just endlessly being sent emails. I'm still being sent emails now about um, like loot that you could get for, for kickstarting them. But I didn't qualify for any because I gave them such a small amount of money anyway. So mm-hmm. I've just like I basically all I got was disappointment and junk emails. <laughs> so uh, that's my my one kickstarting experience. Uh, although I have seen that I have seen a couple which I I thought about kickstarting, um, which we can talk about as we as we come along. Hmm. Um, well, actually, I I talk about it now. Um, there there was a shop here in Exeter last year or or maybe eighteen months ago, and it was like a game board game cafe. Um, mm. I think it was. I think it was just called Board, something like that. Um, and it was a it was a pop up shop, and basically it was a, it was a cafe where they had loads of board games, and you could go in and and have some food and drink and and play games. And it was you know it was, it was really good. And they shut down because it was just a pop up. And suddenly they appeared on Kickstarter, and basically looking for a permanent residence. And they were looking for eight thousand pounds. And over the course of what is it like thirty days, you yeah, can yeah, you get some? a month. Over the course of 30 days, basically, they managed to get, I think, about £2,300. And then suddenly, an hour before the end, they got all of the rest of the money. And I kind of think, that just made me think, you you know, you probably had all that money. And then you weren't going to get kickstarted, so you weren't going to get the money from Kickstarter. And so you just put in a massive pledge, and then so you get the 2300 
Potentially, um, but then you also give quite a lot to Kickstarter. Like if you get eight thousand pounds, I think they take five percent. I believe. Yeah. Goodness, uh, which is why Kickstarter makes so much money. Mm. Like, because you think they they love it when people get funded to like a million pounds because they get five percent for basically providing a website. Yeah. I suppose it's more than that. They're also doing payment processing and stuff. Yeah, so that, that's unfair. I guess. I mean, to be I fair, five percent's a hell of a lot better than Apple takes your thirty percent for selling yes. an app on the App Store. <laughs> so uh, I, I shouldn't complain that much. But um, they do take a percentage. But I mean, the, if you had five thousand pounds and you were going to get you know three thousand pounds free if you put that five thousand pounds in, then obviously that's going to cost you five hundred. But you're going to make you know mm. two thousand six hundred or whatever it is. Oh, got back to maths talk. It's great. Yeah. Uh, then, we should do an episode on mathematics. Yeah. No, let's not. <laughs> the divide presents algebra. <laughs> that sounds fun. Um, yeah. 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 <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that, that's a, a problem. I, I, again, also with Kickstarters, they tend to feature the ones that are close to being funded, like in the last few days. Yeah. So generally, yeah. you will see funding normally go up towards the end anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But then also with stuff like that, it's as you say I mentioned a few weeks ago in that you should go out and earn your money. In yeah. That if I if I'm a business owner and if it's own I say only eight thousand pounds, it's like you're not asking for like a lot of money. Go to the bank and get a loan. Like yeah. if you want to buy a building to put your shop in, get a bank loan. You don't yeah. need to be going on Kickstarter and asking people yeah. to basically give you money for what are you going to give them for that are you gonna like give them free access to the shop for a weekend or something it's i, I find that to be ridiculous just yes. go and get the money elsewhere especially yeah. when it's not that much and a, a good example of this and i, I probably shouldn't say it because well actually it doesn't matter I'm done contractually uh when i sold uh, wallaby uh the iphone app that i uh, made over about three and a half four years uh when i sold it to the new developers uh they did a kickstarter uh, and it was only for $10,000, which isn't very much in the grand scheme of things. Um, and they hit their target, which is fine. But it was to fund the Android development. And I was like, mm. well, the people who are going to fund it are all people who play the iPhone game. Uh, <laughs> and they're only funding it because of the rewards you're giving them, which are things you could have just charged for separately. Like yeah. things like T-shirts or having artwork designed. It's like you could have just created a shop. And got that money, yeah. Um, or if you'd done a sale on in-app purchases, you would have made that money. So doing a Kickstarter is just completely pointless. Um, and I massively disagreed with it, but uh, mm. you know, it's not my game. So and uh, <laughs> I um, on a, sort of on a similar note, there was uh, there's there's a podcast or sort of a number of podcasts I listen to um, where there's uh, one guy. I don't listen to his podcast, but he's been on like a guest on a bunch of the ones that I do listen to. I won't mention him by name because I kind of respect him as a podcaster and as a as an entrepreneur. But like I know because he makes it really public that just from um advertising revenue for his podcast, he makes like six figures a month, I think, in US <laughs> dollars. And he has released a book and he kickstarted it. And it's like, mm, if you're earning six figures a month, Get the fuck off Kickstarter and fund it yourself. <laughs> I, okay, that's the issue that I have. Like again with like Wallaby, I could have kickstarted it when I first began it, but yeah. I didn't. I just built it and used my own money or took bank loans or whatever to pay for it. Because yeah. in my opinion, that's the right thing to do. You don't ask people to fund something that isn't built. 
yeah and just I think the, know, give it to them afterwards like uh, i just don't like it i think there's like a difference and when it's uh when you're asking to kick something which is a profit-making venture then again like okay a game is is uh, is it too but like specifically like a cafe exists primarily to make money um, yeah it's like oh we want eight thousand pounds to start up so we can hopefully make thirty thousand pounds and pay ourselves loads of money in the future it's like but it's kind of when you back a board game or something you think well you know again i'm backing the creative vision i guess more than trying to start a company up for them and it's probably just two eyes in the bedroom who have prototyped the board game and they don't know where to go next to make it big. They're like, oh, I'm going to Kickstarter get some money. Um, and maybe even in that case, if the guys had a pile of cash already, but they just didn't know if anyone wants it, <laughs> Kickstarter is mm. a reasonably good way of saying, look at our prototype, watch this video of us playing it. If 10,000 people want to buy it, we'll do a print run. But we don't want to print 10,000 copies and no one buy it. So even in that case, I can kind of see a case for it. But yeah, like a book, it's like, it just exists to make money, really. And that's the, um, the problem, is that with Kickstarter, that you are an investor. And it's particularly marketed as being, you know, crowdfunding is investing. You're investing in a product that doesn't exist. You're not pre-ordering it because there's no guarantee it will come. You're investing. But for your investment, all you're getting is the product. Now... Mm -hmm the sensible path to take uh, if it's something that is going to be uh, available after the Kickstarter is just to buy it afterwards because then yeah. you know it's been delivered and you can get it now it might cost an extra $5 or something depending on what it is but you can just buy it afterwards like I did with uh, Cards Against Humanity um, there are some exceptions to that like the playing cards that I did it was just a Kickstarter or one-off like limited edition thing he didn't want to make any others even though he probably could have sold them because it got well overfunded but he didn't do it that way uh, so that was one that I would, would support but um, a lot of the time people as you say are creating businesses but you're not getting a you're not getting a percentage of that like if it if you got a percentage back then it would be very interesting how well some of them would work mm. uh, because but even like coming, a shareholder you know coming back to the cafe example I mean even if they basically went uh, there's no investment under I don't know 200 quid or something, 300 quid. Um, but if you invest that, you get free coffee for a year or something. Uh, I don't know, some some sort of perks that you would, the sort of people who work they get, you know? That would almost feel more fair instead of like, oh, just mm. put in a tenner and get nothing <laughs> other yeah. than it exists. You know, it's like, you can at least offer things back which are it's, basically worth more. Like, free coffee for a year, if you go and use it three times a week, it's probably, you know, worth... 300 quid or something and you could sell that for 200 quid and then yeah people or can... even just like give you a card like so that you get 10 percent off yeah know, forever yeah or, yeah you know, some, some some little thing yeah 10 percent off forever it's probably not going to do any harm to your business and it's going yeah. to keep them coming back with all their friends and they'll be like oh look i can get 10 percent off for all of our stuff and then you've got 10 customers and you're getting 10 percent off yes which is good for them but you've got nine more customers than you're going to have so it's better for you too i was thinking uh just today in the news, um, or rather on my on my BBC News app, there was an article about Star Citizen, mm. um, which I th it was quite aptly timed because we were obviously planning to record an episode about Kickstarter. But this game has just—I mean, it, it's broken all the records, hasn't it, for the amount of money that it's made under a crowdfund? And actually, it made so much money that it's—it's it's like changed. The whole the whole scope of the game has is been able to be changed 
because they've made so much money in their crowdfund. Mm. I um, had never heard I, I, of uh, Star Citizen until I looked on BBC News today and saw that article. And right. I got to the end of the article and I was like, Elite Dangerous does this already and you can buy it and play it now. Isn't it meant to be like you could do everything in this game though? Like, yeah, John, I, I mean, you're probably better point to have. I don't know all that much about it, but I know that it's meant to have uh, a lot bigger scope than Elite. Yeah, like I say, I mean, I don't know a huge amount about it. I feel like I should because um, I've heard so, so much do about I, it. I'm disappointed. It's one of those things. I've heard so much <laughs> about it, people talking about it, but I don't know all that much about what's in it apart from it's kind of Elite Plus Plus. Is the only thing that is, I could uh, see that was different to Elite Dangerous in the article that I read was that there were like uh, you could land on space stations and go inside those and see them and they're like a screenshot of a quite an empty looking spaceship and it's like because eh. Elite Dangerous have just released an update not uh, pretty a few weeks ago really uh, where you can land on any of the billions of planets that they have um, and you can roam around on those and there's all different quests on there and like different buildings and stuff to go into uh, so I kind of look at it and just like mm, it, it seems very very similar well, I mean, um, and it's kind of one of the problems is that it's been funded so much that they've had to add so much to it. Um, and the guy in the article was even saying, like, oh, yeah, we've got a lot of people that are like, it's been two years and I want all this stuff. But obviously we can't do all of this in two years. Mm. Um, and some people say to us, oh, be 10 years, but just be the best space <laughs> game. And it's like, well, I'd be pretty annoyed if I'd funded it for its original vision yeah, of what it wanted to be. And it was going to be it's going to be in two years time. And then because so many people have funded it, they're like, ah, you know what? We're going to make it way bigger. It's going to be huge, and it's going to take five years. But we've got your money now, so uh, you've not really got any say in the matter because you can't, once it's funded, that's it. You're done. Yeah. So unless you keep going back and checking and going, oh, wow, it's actually you know uh, millions over what it needed, and they're going to be increasing the scope dramatically, and then cancel your pre-order, then you're stuck in that situation whereas now I imagine I, I don't know but I imagine a lot of people who have funded Star Citizen are probably people who would now buy Elite Dangerous because they can play it now or something incredibly similar maybe not exactly as much but seeing as they've increased the scope so much based on the amount of funding it sounds like what they had before was probably smaller in scope than what Elite Dangerous is now so yeah, I mean, I think I think one big element which they want to add on top of Elite Dangerous is like an FPS uh, like section as well, so you can do you know arena battles as it were, which will have an impact on the overall gameplay. So I guess the scope is bigger than uh, bigger than Elite, and it is a different game. Uh, but I do agree that two issues, like one, I completely agree that it's annoying. You know, you're like, oh, I want this game, and then there are some things where you add to a game. And you think, yeah, that's fair, you've got more money, we're going to add these things and still aim for the same deadline. When they go, ah, we've got ten times the amount of money, we're going to make a game which is five times bigger and it's going to take three times as long. You're like, ah, but I backed it on the premise of a release date around here. One of the nice things about Ukulele was that uh, one of their stretch goals, like their highest one, which was like $2 million, I think, was that they would add DLC and it would be free for all backers but they'd only do it once the game was finished. <laughs> so it's like, once the game is complete and released and you've got it, mm -hmm. then we'll start on the DLC, which you will also get for free. Mm. And it's like, that is good, because then you're getting originally what you paid for, presumably at the deadline that was originally sort of agreed upon, 
but then you're also getting something extra because you got overfunded but you're getting that later uh, and to me that seems more sensible than a lot mm. of these ones where they're like oh wow we've got so much money now we can make this huge but it's going to take ages but my, my second point on Star Citizen like specifically I think um, it's a case maybe where a team gets too much money and they don't really know how to handle it and what to do with it um, and then they've made this fairly confusing kind of like, oh, we're going to make the game in modules and then release this half as one game and that half as another game and this part will come out as a module. And it's like, ah, oh, just make a game. I just, I just want to buy a game and play it, not have to sort of think about subscribing to a module update system where module three is going to have this and module four. Just make a game and let me buy a game. Make but I think what you it's said a, you were going to make. I think it's just a product of having this massive pile of cash and also trying to balance the expectations which you set in your Kickstarter with actually what you want to do with all this extra cash. So they end up with some like crazy hybrid thing in the middle because they're like, oh, but we said we're going to do this, but do you reckon we can get away with that? Mm, we really want to do this though. Maybe we can just do these bits and then they won't mind that we're taking away this thing uh, and we're adding that thing. And then it ends up with this weird, like complicated hybrid mess of responsibility. Whereas if they just got the money within, you know, half or within one to two times what they asked for, then it would have been like, yes, we're just going to make this vision. And managing expectations is a lot easier, and they don't go crazy with all the money and stuff, whereas now they're like, oh, we're sitting on $100 million or whatever. I mean, it's made an obscene amount of money. I think it's over $50 million, isn't it? It was $50 million, But I, the, what, the last I'd heard, it, was, it had made so much money that they were basically able to just open an entire development studio, and I don't think they were, certainly at the time, they weren't even planning on charging for the game. Because they got so much money, they don't need to make any profit. Um, well, that that little segment went like completely the opposite from how I was expecting. I thought you, everyone, would be really excited about <laughs> how this game is like just blown out of the landscape. But yeah. I do, I do see your point about actually, it's like they've gone mad from from like scope madness. You know, one thing I would like to see with Kickstarter is for it to work more like a bank loan. Um, uh, like a business, so you have to pay them. Back. You have to pay back. Okay. <laughs> well, that, yeah, but also enough. in terms of uh, how uh, I think that big Kickstarters, like when you're getting into like the tens and hundreds of thousands of pounds, they should say this is what we want to do, and the money should be divided up for those things and given to them at once they hit milestones. So yeah. it's like you don't mm. just get given fifty million quid. There you go. Have at it. Um, after we've taken our £2.5 in fees. Um, instead, it would be a case of like, okay, here's your first £5 million. Now, once you've done that one and that's been delivered as you agreed it would be, then you get the next £5 million and you basically yeah. get it on an instalment basis because then that would stop a lot of the, uh, I think... Scope madness. Well, the scope madness, <laughs> certainly. Uh, and it would also fix a lot of the issues around timing of people taking too long to do stuff or delays, that kind of thing. And I think you could solve a lot of problems with the big ones. And the, the problem with Kickstarter is that you are basically catering to very, very small companies like one-man people making RPG books uh, for, you know, probably Kickstarters of about $3,000, $5,000. Uh, and then on the other end of it, you've got games of like $30, $40 million or people mm -hmm. asking for $2 million to prototype a flying car or whatever it might be um, and you've got very different ways you need to deal with both of those things but anyway yeah I, I think it's actually a pretty cool idea I think 
I, I can almost picture the, the offering now. We should kickstart it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but people would put all their money in. You would give the, the guys like 20%. You wouldn't have to charge anything. You wouldn't take 5% of the money because you would have all the money in holding earning interest before you give them the rest. Yeah. You give them the first 20%. And then after six months, all the Kickstarters get to vote if they want the 80% of the money back or not. <laughs> Yeah, not very good business for like sustainable for the business but i don't know something like that you're like no we don't think this is going where we want it to go we're not going to give you the rest of the money yet because yeah. uh, i mean that's how it works if you're entering into business and someone mm. is buying you or anything like that or if i'm doing an app for someone they don't give me all the money up front i wish they did but they don't and if they did i probably <laughs> wouldn't finish it because i'd have the money so, yeah. you know I, I normally get paid 25 percent to start 25 percent halfway through and 50 percent once it's done um, yeah, now obviously yeah. that wouldn't work for someone who's manufacturing but if you say okay my manufacturing cost is 50% of this then you go okay here is the money for you to do the manufacturing once you've proved that you've got something to manufacture like mm. this would be a, a legal binding agreement between Kickstarter and you so that you can go to a factory in China and say I have this money if you agree to these terms uh, and then once they've got it to publish the Kickstarter will give them the money immediately to do it Yeah, um, but I guess they don't want to get involved in that because that would be a lot more work for them and mm. they, they don't want to uh, do too much for their 5%. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Are there any products that you can think of that, like big products, that wouldn't exist without Kickstarter? With the exception, I suppose, of Star Citizen. Uh, the Pebble Watch, probably. That was a was that Kickstarter? a Kickstarter? Was it? Interesting. Yeah, and it, even the latest one was Kickstarted, even though they didn't need the money and they're a full company. They still Kickstarted it. Uh, and one of the main <laughs> reasons for that, I believe, um, is that they wanted it. Read. Well, there is that. <laughs> uh, but they did it in January, uh, and it's because they wanted the money in hand before the Apple Watch was launched. Because if they had started selling it in May then obviously they'd then be competing with something which right. a lot of people would buy instead. Um, and there's quite a few people that bought the, the Kickstarter, the Pebble, and it's just gone into a draw because, mm. you know, <laughs> they've got an Apple Watch now. So yeah. why, why would you have the Pebble? Um, yeah. So, yeah, Pebble, I, I, I imagine that probably wouldn't have happened without Kickstarter because they got a lot of money for that. There's a couple of board games. I mean, they're little things, you know, like uh, Cars Against Humanity. And, yes, uh, that's, some, that's the most notable one for me. And then a thing called Lords of War, which I bet, which a friend you know, made. And it's now becoming really big. It's like, yeah, it's pretty cool. There's a Kickstarter. Um, another friend is doing like a version of the Bible as a comic, which is kind of an interesting project, which again, possibly wouldn't have existed without a Kickstarter. On a bigger scale, though, I think Oculus Rift would have been fine, for instance. Um, yeah. I so. But the Oya, I think, probably wouldn't exist without Kickstarter. Now, I might argue that that would have been a good thing. Yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> uh, I still think it probably wouldn't have existed without Kickstarter because I suspect it's not quite enough of a business case, and that equally is probably why it didn't quite take off. So, Ben, you think of anything notable? Like I say, Cards Against Humanity is probably the only one I can think of. Um, but I, I don't know as much about kickstarting, I yeah, guess. So I know more I, now. I don't tend to follow them very much. So because as soon as I hear that something's being kickstarted, I really don't care. Um, yeah. No, there's a few games, um, but I, I yeah. wouldn't go as far as that they wouldn't exist. I, just I suppose think they're um, very different if they weren't kickstarted. What's the game that we talk about in every single episode of the Divide? 
JJ Keeper too. No, yes, no JJ. <laughs> Bad. Uh, War for the Overworld. War for the Overworld. Wasn't that kickstarted? Uh, I don't know actually. I'm sure when we first talked about it, it you mentioned stretch goals, so I always just assumed that it was kickstarted. It may well have been. Mm. Uh, and that's oh I, yeah, it definitely it definitely was because the stretch goal was that they got the original the guys to voiceover. Yes. Yeah. Mm. yeah. That one is one that probably it probably would have happened, but it wouldn't have been as good as it was. Because yes. they wouldn't yes. have been able to afford that guy, for example. Yes. Yes. And also they would have had a publisher giving them different rules. Yeah, like you really can't steal yeah. Dungeon Keeper. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, um, you can't make this a clone. <laughs> so I'm aware that we are we're we're really pushing on for time. We we've all had a look at Kickstarter today and picked out a couple of things. Um I'm gonna suggest that maybe we have a quick whip round and say, did anybody see anything interesting on Kickstarter? I have to say actually before we go into that I saw some proper shit on there. Um, there <laughs> yeah. was somebody trying to kickstart a space rocket um, that he reckoned would would travel close to the speed of light mm-hmm. and should be able to get to our nearest solar system in twelve years. And like, <laughs> uh, yeah, he's he's. I think the Kickstarter ends in two days with no funding. But it's like, <laughs> my goodness, I couldn't believe. Eighteen year old kid at home. I could not believe that. There is some rubbish on there. See, when you sent me a message this morning saying, oh, yeah, uh, you need to pick three Kickstarters each, I was like, oh, crap. I thought we were going to talk about it in general, and I've got six that I've done already. I yeah. like, I'm never going to be able to find three. And I looked, and I was literally on for an hour going, these are all terrible. Like, yeah. I, there was literally <laughs> sort computer games by popularity or most funded that aren't funded yet nope they all look terrible nope yeah don't like any of them i did end up finding three that i liked though so the first thing i found was the meter m-e-a-t-e-r and it is a wireless smart meat thermometer now i have wanted a meat (laughs) thermometer for a while um but you the ones that you get currently that you can like connect to your iphone they have big cables that come out so you have to have the cable coming out the oven which is a bit weird uh, whereas these ones are truly wireless ones that you can just stick into a piece of beef, stick it in the oven, and then you'll get a push notification when it hits the temperature that you want. Lovely. Nice. Uh, the next one was quite called cool. Air Bonsai, um, and this is one that's got quite a lot of press recently. And I, I did see it a few weeks ago, and I would support it, uh, but there's an issue which I'll come to. Uh, now, this is basically like a bonsai tree, but it floats on like a magnetic field, so it's just like slowly spinning in the air about probably about 20 30 centimeters above its dish uh it looks really cool <laughs> it's like really weird it's just floating in the air um mm. the issue is that they can only ship the plants in japan because they're not allowed to export <laughs> them uh so you can buy the dish and the magnet and all the stuff which is quite expensive uh but they don't have a way to give you the plant and i'm not sure how easy it would be to find plants compatible with it in the uk so that's not getting funded by me uh, but <laughs> that it's still look awesome, it is still interesting and pretty cool. Just looking at it now, it's a present for my dad. Thanks. <laughs> Done. Uh, and the final one is called My Hangover, uh, and this one solves a problem. That Don't I'll need probably... to kickstart one of those. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm due a heavy one. Uh, when um, so when you're sat in bed and you've got a tablet or your phone or whatever, and you're watching TV and you're sort of like hunched over it slightly while you're looking down at it, like watching TV. Uh, this is basically a tablet stand that clips to your headboard 
uh, and then it'll like swing a beam over your head and drop it down in front of you. Nice. Uh, hmm. Kind of like, um, I don't know what like really, <laughs> like a crane really. Um, and it's pretty cool and you can take it off and you can use it as like a music stand. So if you're like uh, playing a cello or something, you can just have it as a music stand holding your tablet. Um, and I really liked that because I do find if I'm sat in bed with the iPad Pro, if we're both watching a film, it's, you know, it's a pain in the ass holding it up all the time. First world problem right there. But <laughs> even so, having this little device that basically holds it above you, but it's hanging off like the ceiling or the bed frame rather than resting it on the duvet, which is obviously going to be lumpy and move around as you do. Uh, it's a pretty cool idea. So I, mm. I might fund that one. So meter, meter and my hangover may well get me get my money. Some good shouts there, Ben. Took a awesome. long time to find them. Yeah, I know. I spent a long time <laughs> on Kickstarter. Had to get through the, uh, the world's smartest cat litter tray to find those. <laughs> uh, uh, John, what did you find? Cool. Well, I've gone full-on tabletop board gaming geek because... Cool. Uh, like you say, the video game offering was a bit thin at the moment. There was nothing that jumped out. I mean, there were one or two that there was like a, a sci-fi RPG that looked pretty cool, but it was uh, only two days left or something. And I, I thought by the time the show goes out, that gives people a day to, to rush on to Kickstarter. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Uh, I picked things with a slightly longer shelf life. But the first one is a tabletop RPG called Mutant Gen Lab Alpha. Now, Mutant is a tabletop is that RPG. Is the game you've played? Uh, it is. I played it at Christmas. It's actually it's made in Sweden, um, and it was originally Swedish only, and then they published an English version. Then they redid it about a year ago, and then they published an English version, and I played that at Christmas, and it was really cool. It's it's basically a Fallout Four, in, not not inspired because it probably came out before Fallout, the original, but it it, you know, it feels very Fallouty, and there's a big map, and you kind of work through it, uh, and then there's a story, and it's very kind of gritty, a little bit tongue in cheek. Uh, quite tongue in cheek, but it's still quite gritty as well. Um, and this one is—it uh, can be in the same world, or you can play it on its own. It's up to you. But this is the mutant animals version, basically, <laughs> um, where you can play as like uh, intelligent bears or foxes or you know raccoon men and stuff because um, of all the radiation and shit. Well, I think there's actually like experiments and things, and they've they've taken rabbits and experimented on them to try and make them make them uh, intelligent but yeah it looks like a, a good laugh and that is um, Mutant Gen Lab Alpha second up is another RPG and this is um, this is an RPG that was uh, released in 1999 and it's called Seventh Sea and basically I saw that today as well ah, have you guys seen uh, The Princess Bride yes no have you not? I'm really surprised. It's an epic film, but mm. if you haven't seen it, you must have seen Pirates of the Caribbean. Yes, uh, <laughs> many times. And the Three Musketeers. It's basically that as an RPG. Um, so it's like a proper swashbuckling adventure set in the you know late 1600s. Um, but yeah, I've heard a lot of my friends have played the old version and said it was. A if we weren't doing this show I thought that is one that I have to have um, so yeah quite excited for a second edition of 7th C to turn up on my doorstep randomly at some point in the next 6 to 50 months I don't know, don't know how long it's supposed to take but 
You never know, do you? And then the yeah. uh, third and final one, it's just a tiny little thing, really. And there, uh, some guy, I'm probably not going to back this one because it's not quite what I want. Um, but some guys are making these tiny little D6, so little six-sided dice out of titanium. And the idea is you get a keychain with it. Titanium. So, <laughs> they're called cubie dice. Oh. Uh, My name would have been much better. Way better. Yeah. Maybe yeah. someone took it already, and that's, that's why they yeah. have to. You know, I suspect so because it isn't well, we epic. Get the, the URL. Name. <laughs> Titanium.com. Let's buy it now. Um, and then never make the dice. No. <laughs> uh, so these are cubie dice, and they are tiny, tiny little d6. I guess they're. I don't know. They look like they're about six mil or something. Um, maybe. Yeah. Maybe up to a centimeter. Probably not that big. Five millimeter. There we go. So. Tiny little dice, but the idea is you can put them in your keychain, and the the keychain is not that much bigger than a key. So wherever you are, you've got your little pack of six dice with you. I was like, that's pretty cool. If they were a little set of polyhedral dice for playing D and D or something, I think I I'd probably have to just buy them. But as they're just D sixes, I'm like, ah, none of the games I play actually will benefit from having sixty six. It's very rare that you're Thanks, stuck. Ladders in a situation where you really need a set of D6s. And for that situation, there's always your mobile phone with uh, either a random number generator or some sign of dice roll app. Yeah. One of the very first apps I got when the App Store launched in 2008 was a dice app where you could choose your dice and then just chuck them and you literally mm. flicked the phone and they'd roll. But the nice thing was when you tilted the phone, it would tilt the dice so that you could see like the <laughs> other sides of them as you rotated it around in your hand. Oh, that's cool. Really, really cool. I bring that up just randomly. Sorry. Yeah. No, it's good. It's um I don't I don't dice rolling on a phone is kind of okay. It doesn't have the same feel. Well yeah, but, but if if you're stuck in a situation yeah. where it's life or death and you need a D six, then are you gonna use your phone or are you gonna have a tiny little D six on a key ring that you just <laughs> happen to carry around with you? But if they made these, like I say, as a little polyhedral D20 set for D&D players, I guess you'd need eight or something, whatever's in the, the sort of set for D&D. But if they made those like this, I would just buy them. It's like, that would be cool. Always Tell useful to, uh, when you need a, a quick perception check. Precisely. Round. Yeah. You know, if someone's like, <laughs> are you free for some D&D tonight? And you're like, yes, but I don't have my dice. Oh, oh wait. Yes, I do. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, are you up for some D&D tonight? Let's roll and find out. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I butched it. On a, on a three plus? Yes. Uh, I rolled a one. I'm busy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, yeah, so they, they're quite cool. I'm not going to back it, but with some tweaks, I would. So. Um, well, this was like my first real foray into Kickstarter. And like I say, I saw some rubbish, but I've picked out three... Um, I've picked out sort of a, a, a range. There's one that doesn't need backing, and that is called Joking Hazard. It's a card game made by the Cyanide and Happiness comic strip people. Mm. Um, and it's basically you there, if you're not aware of the Cyanide and Happiness cartoons, they're basically little three-panel comic strips of, of offence, basically. <laughs> and um, this is a game where you basically just randomly generate a comic by putting three cards down it looks kind of funny um i like the they've they've their their goal was ten thousand dollars and they've currently got nine hundred and eighty thousand four hundred and nine dollars <laughs> so they're a little bit over backed i like I, I quite like the things like for example 
they say, if you pledge one dollar or more, thanks for donating. You're helping make our dreams come true while simultaneously giving away your money. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. Um, that looks quite good fun, actually. Joking has it. It looks like a game that I, I don't. Have, they don't need me to back it, but I might buy it because it looks fun. Um, something that I actually, I think I will back, and um, and I don't think, <laughs> I don't think it's going to meet its goal, so I, I won't. It won't cost me anything. Um, is uh, is somebody wants to open like a, a soft play center in the middle of Tripoli? Uh, now, I mean, this is this is just my my parental side showing. I take Alistair to soft play centers all the time. It's a great place for him to go and like have a run around in a safe environment. And it's also good for me. It's good for parents, you know, to go and get a little bit of time not having to do it. And according to the information in here, this is something that they don't really have in Tripoli. Obviously, somewhere that's been sort of hit by civil wars um, mm. and they're having a bit of a hard time so it seems like quite a nice idea i might back it but they've only got two backers so it might not go through but um i like the idea of it um hmm. I, it would be a nice one for, for for people to notice so that's uh sort of my my parental one and then one that i just couldn't not mention um uh is the divide kickstarter that's right <laughs> <laughs> Donate um, ten dollars and we'll mention your name then, on air. <laughs> then it's even better than that. It's somebody is setting up a dating site based purely, purely on matching people based on which Nicolas Cage films they like, and it's called Cage Match. Yes, <laughs> yes. It's absolutely brilliant. And um, I don't know. Uh, it's, it, what is it? Basically, yeah. It's like, how does it work? You create a profile, you add an image of yourself, you tell us your favourite Nicolas Cage film, and we'll show you potential matches based on your Cage preferences. That is literally it. Cage match. <laughs> um, they want 20 grand, and they've 1,100 pounds at the moment. I will give it to them. This might even, this might even work. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Cage match. I thought that looked great. Um, I saw some other good ones on there. I really wanted to find a comic, you know, because hmm. I, I like comic books. Um, but I also, as I was looking through, I just hit by the realization that I'm not a fan of indie comics at all. Uh, so that defeats the purpose of trying to find an independent comic to back. I just want my mass produced Marvel and DC comics, I think. Um, and yeah, I was trying to find a game yeah. that I like. A lot of it was too specialized for me to know what they were about. And, and there were some really sloppy ones as well. Like there was somebody like, I want to open a comic shop. Okay, that's cool. And you look at and you look at it, and it's like I've always wanted a comic shop, uh, so now I want to open one. Uh, okay, I'm not going to back you. Mm. Uh, give me a little bit more than that. Not everyone really gets it, do they? When they, they no. put their Kickstarter up, this this no. cage match Kickstarter is amazing. <laughs> You're looking at it. Pledge yeah. five thousand pounds. Really? I mean, come on, it's my project, and even I think this level is too much. <laughs> For five k, you get everything because you'll basically be my sugar daddy. Yeah, uh, oh, amazing. <laughs> yeah, I think cage match. We should uh, be the official sponsors. If, if, we, if we reach 30 grand, I will add a face-off mode. <laughs> <laughs> Last to chat with singles in your area, except all of their profile pictures have been replaced by a picture of John Travolta. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I, I uh, might actually have to... Like, I don't think this is going to get funded, but I'm going to contact this guy and say, I will build this app for you. Nice. Yes. It's amazing. Do it. I think that's a really good place to round up, do we think? Yeah. Yes. Okay. 
Awesome. Well, um, obviously, thanks very much for listening. It's been a pleasure as always. It's been nice to chat to you chaps as always. Uh, if you want to find us online, you can find us at thedivide.co.uk. You can also find us on Twitter at Podcast Divide. Um, obviously, if you enjoyed this episode, please do take a minute to go and leave us a rating on iTunes. And if you've got a couple more minutes, a review would be spectacular. I suspect our next show will probably be in two weeks' time on the 2nd of March. Hmm. Sound about right to you guys? Certainly does. Uh, so nice. until next time, we will see you around. Cheers. Cheers. Bye.